Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. And our listeners. Welcome to another episode of Talking Trek Wars. Talking Trek Wars. We will break you. I feel like Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago in your Rocky, just standing over you. I must break you. You know, that type of thing. Of that habit. You know I'm far too obstinate to be broken. Yeah, it's not... I mean, I'm broken in other ways, like my knee, but, like, you can't break my spirit. I thought you just meant mentally and physically. You're broken. Physically broken, mentally cannot be broken. I thought you just said spiritually cannot be broken, so I can break you one way or the other. Physically is about as best as you're going to get. All right, it is... far too obstinate for everything else. It is September 23rd, 2018... I laddie, that it is, and we are. Well, let's just let's just go out. Let's just clear the board here. There was a very good plan in store for this episode, and I had done a bunch of research, and I had every I had notes, and I was ready, and then it fell apart, as it's wont to do. Right? Yeah, that's, so, that's our normal mo. Yeah, best laid plans. So we are going to wing it like we always do. Oh my god. Us having a a roughly scripted show? Ha! Good. Never. Good luck. All right. So let's let's do a little tiny catch up. Um, I love ketchup. I I, I like. I don't up. like the Portland brand ketchup, but that Heinz Fifty Seven is really good. Uh, I like the little Big Burger brand ketchup that has minced jalapenos in it, and it Ooh. it's really really good. Sadly, I don't think I can have it with my diet. So, anyways, yes. So, Mills moved and was been working. Yes, I've been on deployment uh, throughout the Midwest, actually. Uh, I have seen the great state of Missouri from end to end. Okay. I was in Kansas and sang Kansas. Okay. Because that's what you do in Kansas, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Oh, that and barbecue, and I had amazing barbecue. Saw a lot of baseball, did a lot of work in Minnesota. In Minnesota? In Minnesota with the Great White North. Oh, gosh, they're wonderful folks. Oh, they're just... But there's a thing called Minnesota Nice, which is really just a stupid way to say passive-aggressive and sarcastic. <laughs> if you're from Minnesota, go visit Duluth. They've got some great accents in Duluth. All right, I feel like we've broken that horse. Yeah. Okay. I can't make it stop, though. You can make it stop. No, make it stop. All right. I uh, was working a crap ton. Yeah. Uh, my uncle passed away. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and then... You better stop it. Uh, and then I uh, had uh, Comic-Con. Comic-Con! Throughout it all. And we had some, some Star Trek guests. Star Trek guests! We had good old uh, Carl Urban from the Kelvin Timeline was there. Carl Urban! We got a picture with him. It is on the wall. Yeah, he looks real happy. He, he actually... He's, he's happier... Then Bill Shatner looks. Bill, Sh- okay, Bill Shatner. That I don't think he takes photographs well unless he's getting paid buku bucks, right? But he he wasn't. He was very genial. You know, he's yeah. very nice. Uh, we met uh, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, and uh, Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, and we got an honor Michael Dorn for Michael Dorn. We will get into his comments and the conversation we had with him later in the show. Later, later in the show. Well, all right then. Um. But the three of them did a panel, okay. Uh, which every Trek website has covered, and I don't know if they actually had people there or not. But they've all covered the same thing. Well, so. um, was it was it broadcast panel? No, interesting. No, no. It's Rose City Comic Con. They're small enough. That yeah, nobody cares. They're not going to broadcast it because it would. 
cost too much money, and right. they would lose money. Right. Um, but Marina Sirtis is fucking hysterical. Yeah. Uh, she took a guy's phone away for recording it. For, for recording, recording the, the panel? panel? Yeah. Interesting. Saying, let's keep this between us. Um, they started off saying, yes, we know Frakes put out that, that we, I put out that p- photo on Instagram of us having dinner together. That doesn't mean anything. Nobody's talking to us yet. Although, I will say that there's a loophole in that, uh, a la Timothy Zahn, a Star Wars author, right. who recently was asked, when are you writing another book? And he says, hey, if Lucasfilm wants to write me a book, they know how to reach me. Right. Even though for a year he'd been working on a book. Right. So just when they say, nobody's talked to us, that doesn't mean nobody hasn't talked to their agent. agent. Yeah. So there are loopholes. But they said, don't ask us any Picard questions. We don't know. We're not involved. We didn't get talked to. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. But there was a lot of, like, Michael Dorn was making some kind of sexual innuendos with the microphone at them, and there was a lot of fun stuff. Marina Sirtis gets on stage. There's a coffee table in front of the couch that they would be sitting yeah. on. And it says, nobody wants this. Everybody wants to see my legs, because she was in, like, a miniskirt. So she just drags it over, knocking water over, and gets up there. And she had some funny comments, like, look, I've not seen Discovery because if CBS thinks I'm going to pay for it, they're crazy. I was on the Best Trek show and they want me to pay for it. Not going to happen. She's like, <laughs> I'll just go back to London and watch it on Netflix because I already paid for that and it's free over there. Right. And so that was... Well, it's not free. It's included with yes, Netflix. Yes, but there's no added fee. Right. We'll say that. Uh, Michael Dorn had his normal comments about how he feels sorry for Mary Ch- Chifenko. Mary Shifo? Shifo. Shifo. Who played? Who's one of the Laurel? Cl- Laurel, the Klingon in uh, Discovery. Discovery. Thank you, because my words failed right now. This uh, is how you know we've been together too long. Because I'm fi- <laughs> literally finishing your sentences. Oh, oh, it's a friend anniversary. Touching moment. We actually had our friend anniversary not too long ago. Facebook doesn't count. No, no, not that. Fr- when you moved to Portland, and the first weekend you got here, you were on Taco Tiki Tuesday. That's when we first met. But yeah. Not yet? We're, you're a month premature. Oh, fucking hell. Come on now. You're a month premature. Well, you know what? I was just ready to destroy the world. Fair enough. Uh, but he commented how he was uh, very <laughs> not envious of her and the makeup process that yeah, they have to go through. Yeah, is way, way more intense than he ever had to do. Yeah, and he is on record and he said there how much he hated the makeup process. And on the last day of shooting of uh, All Good Things... He swore up and down, and he said everybody could hear it. Everybody in the studio could hear it. His co-stars said, I'm fucking done with it. I'm never doing this again. I'll do the movies, that's it, but fuck this makeup. And then he pantomimes getting a phone call. It's like, what, you want me to do DJ Space Nine? I don't know about... Wait, wait, how much money? Okay, I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) And they all, of course, because they're next-gen people, were all like... Yeah, he had to go there to save the ratings, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that just delighted Nicole right, of to course no it did. end. Of course it did. To no end. But he didn't go into other stuff till we went to get an autograph from him. Right. Uh, but they overall were very funny. You could tell that they were so used to each other. Well, I mean, think about it this way. Next Gen's been off air for 20 years or so. Mm. 23 years, because we just had the... 30th anniversary of the show right last year so they ran for seven so that's 23 years since okay. i've been off the air yeah. it's over 20 years okay so and specific fuck for the most part they've been doing 
this stuff for the better part of 30 years together. Yeah. Right? Like, so they've got a routine down almost to this point. Yeah, they were, they were, it's all secondhand nature to them. So, that was on Friday. On the third day, on Sunday, we went to get our group, Nicole and I, with our group photo with them. Right. Before that, we went to get Michael Dorn's autograph. Right. And... As we went up there, I was like, okay, dude, there was no line. There's nobody around us. You know, yeah. they've been there all weekend. So right. they've pretty much worked spent. And I'm like, all right, I'm a Deep Space Nine person. She, of course, is next gen. Now, I know you're going to say next gen because that's what you started on and all this other stuff. But I'm like, what do you think was better for your character? Next gen or Deep Space Nine? He then proceeds to say, he goes, well, look, I prefer us... As a team, like my favorite thing to be on was Next Gen because nobody wanted us. It was us against the world. We really formed a camaraderie. Right. We all became great friends. He goes, but D Space Nine was good for my character. Now I asked since I posed the question, which was better for your character? And he says D Space Nine was good for my character, as in he had more to do. I took that to mean that he was answering that D Space Nine was better for his character. Right. Nicole had to be a semantic Nazi right. and be like, no, no, no. He said good. He said good, and I'm like, but the question was, which was better for your character? And he ended up talking about D Space Nine. Right. Therefore, in so facto, D Space Nine is better for his character. Right. Because he talked about having more to do. Uh, ooh, ooh, in the panel, he mentioned how he was a deadbeat dad. How Did Worf really? was a deadbeat dad. Nice. Because Worf was a horrendous father. And I'm like, thanks, we've been saying it. We did an episode a year ago. On Father's Day. On Father's Day about how Worf was a deadbeat dad. And I'm like, that was validation. Yeah. From our point, for our point of view. Yeah. I uh, love being right. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. And we're obstinate enough to not admit it when we're wrong. There yeah. we go. Huh, yeah. Uh, so then we go for our group photo. And they've done sessions every day, a couple times a day, and individual sessions. But we decided to do the group photo. And Nicole's like, I got to stand next to Michael Dorn. And Sean Wynn was like, dude, let me know how he smells. I'm like, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know how he smells. Uh, yeah. I love Sean. Uh, and so then, as we go in, Nicole was in front of me, so she went and got to stand next to Gates McFadden, and, you know, Michael Dorn stood in the back because there were five of us. Yeah. As I walked up, Marina Sirtis comes in, and she's short. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm tall, I'm, you know, I'm a good head taller than she is. Yeah. So she looks up and says, hi, and as she does it, she grabs my arm and rubs her boobs across my arm. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, that had to have been an accident because we all have to get in yeah. our clothes. So we get in our clothes. She's like, hmm, you smell nice. I'm like, well, well, thank you. All right, so we take the photo. And as we go to leave, we say thank you. She does it again. And I rub, and I, I'm walking out the back, and you go around to back these curtains. And Nicole's standing there waiting for me. She goes, did Marina Sirtis rub her boobs on your arm? I'm like, yeah, twice. I thought I was imagining it, like it just was happenstance. She goes, no, no, I saw it. I'm like, okay. She's like, well, how'd they feel? I'm like, boobs. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I <hate> her boobs. <laughs> pretty good. Walked out, and I'm like, how was Gates with Fanny? And she's like, yo, she was nice and soft. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was just walking back, I was just like, one of those, if you came by and you saw that being our interaction, would just be like, real funny. But that was that. So it's like, wow. All right, All right then. Alright, yeah. It's a good thing he didn't get the, the boobs rubbed on me and went looked at it and go, I'm sorry. <laughs> make it really creepy. That's been really awkward. Yeah, but it was still a really good time. Uh, Carl, Sounds like she's just there to have fun. She seems like she is... Like, 
these things must get tiring. Yeah. You know, and yeah, this is how they make a, a great, still a good living, a good living coming in. But I think they've learned how to make the best of it. Whereas I think some young stars or some other ones who really don't want to be typecast and want to break out, you know, all that stuff, yeah, tend to recoil against it or limit their time interaction. I think they're so because they're so seasoned with it, and they're so familiar with their fans that it's like, hey, we got to make this interesting and fun. Now, you know, Michael Doran, when we were talking to him, was pulling up his iPad, pulling up his ESPN app so he could watch football, right? You know, but. Just average people, great at interacting. Yeah, good, um, good, good, nice, nice, nice way of doing it. Brett Spiner for Nicole last year was the same way, very yeah. interactive. You know, Bill Shatner was Bill Shatner, Shatner. Uh, about the whole thing. Um, Carl Urban was was funny and nice. They somebody asked him uh, during his panel about how Star Trek has always been about inclusion, and when something's taboo, putting it forefront like having Chekhov. During the Cold War, being a Russian officer up front, they somebody asked him about like maybe putting a Muslim woman with a headscarf as their to replace Anton Yelchin, and his response was he's like, look, you know, it's all good to to do those things and put them in the forefront, but he goes, I don't think it's you could do somebody of an ethnic descent, but not of a this. He paraphrased. He didn't say this specifically. Yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said because I don't remember it verbatim, uh, but that. Uh, religion, especially on Earth in the future, is pretty much gone, or at least it's not—it's not a forefront idea. It's not a forefront ideology because nobody nobody really talks about it yeah. in the show. So he goes, doing something that blatant might be a little bit too much. Yeah, uh, he goes, but we all liked uh, the actress who played Jayla and Beyond. Yeah, and he goes, if if we have to do something to replace Anton, when Anton is irreplaceable, and should never be recast or whatever. He goes, then I, I think we already have a built-in person. Let's just bring Jayla back and have her be up, up yeah. front. And to which a lot of people, a lot of people clapped. Yeah. So I think, I think that was a, it was a nice idea. I think it's an elegant idea to move beyond Anton in a respectful way. Yeah. And you know, it just, you've already introduced this character. Yeah. You know, Star Trek does have a history of introducing tertiary characters who interact with the main cast like in the movies and then are gone the next movie and you never know or never hear what happens to them. Give them the only one was Savick. Yep. Who stuck around. So for for two whole movies. Mm-hmm. Well, a cameo in one and another one full front. Yeah. So I I do like the idea of having that actress back on. I, she's a French actress. I don't Sophia Butella. There we go. Thank you. Very beautiful woman. Yes. Yes, and I, I, even with all the makeup, it's still yes. very nice. So I think it would be hilarious seeing her in a yellow uniform, but with all that all that white. It might be gold. Could be red. Could be blue. Uh, if she's going to take over Chekhov and be a helmsman, I would, or navigation, I, she mm. would have to be gold. You're making an assumption that that's the direction they go. But, yeah. Then again, we also haven't seen Scotty on the bridge that much. And in the original series, if they went on an away mission, Scotty was the one left in charge. But we digress. They also didn't have like 50 people on the bridge like they do in the Abrams universe. That is true. That is true. Okay, I have uh, I have some news. Yes. I bought and began watching Star Trek the Animated Series. Why did you buy it? It's on Netflix. 
to A, go with the collection. Okay. B, support physical media. Okay. Uh, because as a part of this news, um, they have announced, finally announced the Orville Season 1 physical release. That's good. And it's DVD only. No Blu-ray. What? And it's a new trend happening now where most TV shows are going to stop Blu-ray releases uh, because of the production money on it and go back to only DVDs. But it's broadcast in Blu-ray quality. Do you, do you hear me saying anything otherwise? It doesn't make sense, does it? No. Only shows like for HBO, like Game of Thrones or big budget shows, or other ones like tentpole shows, are going to get Blu-ray releases. You'll see see it like Star Trek Discovery because they know they're going to make their money back. It's on very it. strange because Blu-ray is basically the new standard. I know, but with the advent of streaming and everything. Uh, studios are worried about losing money on these on these things that they're going to slowly start stop doing it because we live in a renting culture. Right. And here's the thing, and there was an article put out by what was Digital Spy or Wired or whatever, and it they had went through and read the iTunes user agreement, and, especially when it comes to movies, and says, guess what? You do not own your movies on your iTunes account. They can choose to delete any film within your account at any time they wish. And it's in the user agreement. Yeah. And it's like, look, you don't own these things when you're streaming them. Things disappear. You get all butthurt because Netflix rotates things on and off. It goes, look, you don't own any of this. It's right. a renting culture. And all the other companies that you buy the movies from could choose to wipe your account. Guess what? If you have a... Or those accounts fold. Yeah. You have an Xfinity account. You choose to buy movies on there and you have it on your digital library. Whatever reason, you get fed up and you move to uh, DirecTV or some other thing or Sling. You don't own that movie. You don't take those with you. Yeah. So, this is my plea, and I'll get back to the animated series here in a second, to say, fucking buy physical media. I don't disagree. You're talking to a guy who has well over 600 titles on digital meat are on physical copy now i've become more picky as i've gotten older of what i buy and what i don't buy yeah i used to buy everything i don't have the space for that yeah um which is one of the problems but you and i are also one of those weird people where we don't take we will use the original cases yeah as opposed to like putting it into some sort of like flop folder no because that scratches the disc that's fucking terrible for it for as often as you take it in and out? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, my CD collection, when I tried to rip it to my iTunes account, had some is, issues. Is, proof, is evidence of that fact. Had, uh, some, had some issues? J- just a couple. Just a few. Uh, but then this is also goes to why D Space Nine and Voyager weren't upconverted and released to Blu-ray, because it's a trend that they're going trying to go away from and the cost expenditure they had more cost expenditure because of the method yeah. they were filmed in uh, which is also why people need to go and buy or pre-order the things we leave behind what we leave behind yeah the Deep Space Nine documentary because you're getting a bunch of scenes converted to what the Blu-ray, upconverted upconverted yeah. to what the Blu-ray quality 1080p would be and I'm dying to see it Oh, yeah. I mean, they showed on their website, they show a couple of clips of it. Yeah. It's just markedly different. Night and day. Yeah. Night and day. The the resolution and the color correction is so fantastic. Yeah. It's just disappointing. But 
Back to Star Trek the Animated Series that I bought on Blu-ray. I'm going to say this right now. Not as bad as I thought. Highly enjoyable. Oof. Because, let's do it as a barometer. Not to Star Wars to Clone Wars, a modern day cartoon. But let's fast forward to the 1980s Lucasfilm releases of Droids and Ewoks cartoons. Yes, they were cartoons. Right. These ones... Are half hour by basically twenty two minute episode condensed episodes right of still DC Fontana quality writing yeah just with the nineteen seventies animation sometimes the audio track doesn't line up with the mouse a hundred percent but I'm never fully convinced that it ever lined up a hundred percent I might never have yeah uh, but there have actually been a couple really good episodes that I think because it's canon. Adds great to the canon. Stuff that they reference back to from the original series. Yep. Um, some actually decent stuff. I mean, they have their cringeworthy episodes. There's a couple characters on there where I'm just like, who the fuck thought of this one? The three-armed? Three-armed, three-leg Erickson. Yeah. You know, there's no check-off in it. But uh, there's just been some, some nice, some good episodes. Yeah. Uh, not... Not terrible to watch, and I think if your people are holding back on it because of the fact that it's a 1970s cartoon, and you have Netflix, go fucking give it a try. I'm sure it's on CBS All Access as well. It probably is. Um, I've really tried to watch a couple episodes. I really couldn't. You have to. You have to commit to it. You have to commit, and you have to go in with the knowledge of saying. I know the quality I'm getting into. I read numerous reviews about the Blu-rays before I even bought them. And the main complaint was the audio not syncing up. Right. And I'm like, if this is your big complaint, then okay, I'm going to give it a try. And it's not... I mean, look, there's there's some episodes that are cringeworthy, yes. But there's some episodes that were really good. There's some a good Spock episode that deals with him being younger and some Vulcan Rite of Passages... And yeah. the mirror, and yeah, him yeah. going through. Yeah, that was a great episode. It was. It was good. I don't know about great. No, it was a great. It was a episode. good episode. It was, it was a, a great, good episode. It was a great episode for the fact that a they they got to go back to things they touched on in the original series. Right. You got more of Spock as a kid and yeah. Sarek, his younger self. You got the Guardian. The Guardian. The more of the time travel aspect of it. You know, more trouble with Tribbles. Yeah, all right, whatever. Um, but. There were some other ones that were just... Okay, I don't know if great may be a stretch. They're really good and some highly entertaining. Uh, I think there's good pieces to canon fill in. And actually, you know, it's funny. It makes me... That's how I very much feel about um, Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Some really cringeworthy items. Oh, yeah, especially in the early seasons. Uh, but then there's some really nice episodes that give you fill-in points to the backstory of different people. Yeah. Well, and I think Clone Wars broadens the, the scope of things, gives you more of Anakin's descent, you get more of his attachment, yeah. jealousy. You also get to see Obi-Wan being clearly able to understand what Anakin's feeling, even though in the movies you kind of get that he isn't. Yeah. Uh Darth Maul. You get all these great things that add yeah. to canon. And I think that's what Star Trek, the animated series, does. Which leads me to think... Well, and, sorry, and the nice thing about... You touched on Maul specifically is 
it's an amazing canon piece bridge between the prequels yeah. and then what we just saw in Solo. Exactly. Which, tune in to 2019 when we go through our horror Star Wars film review. Yes. All this will be covered then. Yes. Um, but I guess what it says to me is that I, it makes me, with things like Clone Wars Rebels and the New Resistance and watching Star Trek the Animated Series, it does make me excited more excited for the prospect of a new animated series that if you have good writing and a decent budget yeah what you could do to fill in because you also have no constraints you can get the actors back for their voices and you could do it as an anthology series and jump it throughout time it doesn't have to be discovery set it doesn't have to be like you know you could do like, oh, this season's all about John Harrison and the Enterprise B. Or this season's all about the Enterprise C. You know, you, yeah. could, you could use that as a vehicle to jump around in the yeah. time frame. Or create something wholly new. And you've solved a lot of problems that a lot of the actors hate is makeup. Mm-hmm. So you, I think, add, I think there's a lot more benefit to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's more opportunity there. Yeah. I will not argue that point that there's opportunity. Yeah. So, since you had finished your watch of Clone Wars and you just said you think it's a great supplement to canon. Yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite episode? No. Did you have a hated episode? No. I, here's the thing. is I didn't approach it with the concept of this is something I was going to grow a large attachment to. Okay. I approached it to watch it to watch it and absorb it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the most impactful episodes was in the last season, or the last season you see, uh, where Ahsoka is accused of murdering yeah, someone. Yeah, that was, that was, at the time, the series finale was when she leaves the Order. And that's it, yeah. right? Like, that was really... Well done. Yeah. And it was very intense. Like, you felt really into it. And, um, you know, the the way they involved Ventress into the storyline and everything else was really well done. Yeah. Um, well, and then they had the Netflix debut season, which came out on Blu-ray, called The Lost Missions, which were episodes from season six. And that had the Yoda arc and the, right. the finding out about the organic chip for Order 66. Right. All that stuff is in there. Um I have a lot of episodes I really love in the Clone Wars. Yeah. I think it... I already liked the prequels. I think this just enriched them and made them a lot better. And I think for the people that didn't like the prequels but liked the Clone Wars, I think this could have then retroactively added uh, a more a better light to it. It does. Um, I mean, it doesn't take away the, the technical issues that the prequel had. Well, it also doesn't take away some of the acting issues that's, the prequels that's, has. Acting is part of the technical aspects yeah. of it. Um, I don't know. I found that I, I feel like what I would want to do is watch episodes one and two, then the Clone Wars, yeah. then episode three. In kind of in succession. Yeah, because... Because chronologically, you, that's how it flows. Yeah. Well, I mean, the seasons were non-linear, but there is a linear timeline that you can go in, so you can jump between yeah. all the episodes to watch it as a concurrent uh, storyline. Yeah. But 
it, it really is quite fascinating because you get so much backstory and enrichment of Obi-Wan's character. Yeah. Um, I mean, though the animation of Obi-Wan and his beard is always just makes me laugh because he's, you know, it's the rectangular beard that he's got going. Well, and it comes to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I like the animation style. When you start Rebels, when you get around to it, the animation style had changed, so if you got so used to one, you're just like, what is this? Right. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't, I don't want to go into Rebels right now, but we'll yeah. do that at a later date. I'm very glad I watched Clone Wars. I really enjoyed it. Good. As a whole. I, I wouldn't say, you know, it had any peaks and valleys for me where I was like, this, I can't watch this versus I really enjoyed watching this. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would give as a caveat to anybody who's interested in watching it but hasn't yet is it takes place during wartime. So there are a inordinate amount of battle scenes. And some of them that drag on unnecessarily long. I don't know. I loved all the battle scenes. There's a couple that. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's that this it, for a show called The Clone Wars. You get a lot of battle scenes, right? Like that's what you would expect. Yeah. I'm just saying that some of them are long, and it's more battle scenes than one would initially expect. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, the title of it is Clone Wars, so you kind of have to reverse into that thought. Yeah. All right. I mean, you get to see a lot of complexity in the Jedi Order. In the you know the the Hut family, yeah, things like that. Well, and it also goes to further highlight how wrong and fallible the Jedi were at the end, which to me only emphasizes the message that came out in the Last Jedi yeah. from Luke. It said, "Yeah, they were arrogant, and they, I mean the things. Basically, you had a slave army. You know, you were okay with that." Right. It's like that yeah, that that's that's not cool. Actually that's you should have been wholly against that. Right. But those are conversations, larger conversations for another day. Uh, in two thousand nineteen. In twenty nineteen. Alright. We are gonna go through uh the Denise Petsky article which was shared on our on Funny's Facebook page about Star Trek Short Treks. Short Treks. Uh, it is going to be premiering in on a, Thursday, October 4th with the title Runaway. And here is the episode description and we will discuss. On board the USS Discovery, Ensign Tilly, played by Mary Weissman. Which, hold on a sec. Ensign Tilly. Yes. Is an interesting statement. Because this is post-season one. Right. But it's still a point. Like, Yeah. She's, yeah, no she's longer cadet. No longer cadet Tilly. Uh, Ensign Tilly, played by Mary Weissman, encounters an unexpected visitor in need of help. However, the unlikely pair may have more in common than meets the eye. Dun, dun, dun. Written by Jenny Lumet and Alex Kurtzman, and directed by Maha Favril. V-R-V-I-L-O. I am not going to bastardize that with a pronunciation. Sure. All right. What do we think about that? A Tilly episode. I'm all bored. It's 15 I mean, minutes. Tilly has been one of the bright spot characters that most people really enjoy. Um, I will say, at first, I found her ungodly annoying, and now I find her endearing. I liked her from the word go. She had that socially awkward, just weird persona, and I was just like, okay, I'm on board with this. We have right. not seen this before. Right. 
And I liked her dynamic with uh, Burnham and uh, Stance. I really wish short treks were longer than 15 minutes. Well, then they wouldn't be short treks. They could be a half hour. They could be, I would, like, 22 minutes, right? Your standard 30-minute format normal televisions. And I understand that we're talking a difference of eight minutes. Yeah. But eight minutes of screen time is a lot. Yeah. All right. So, up next would be Calypso, airing Thursday, November 8th, a month later. And it is, after waking up in an unfamiliar sickbay, Kraft, played by Aldous Hodge, Excuse me. Find, finds himself on board a deserted ship, and his only companion to hope for survival is an AI computer interface. Teleplay by Michael Chabon. Story by Sean Cochran and Michael Chabon. Directed by... Another person you can't pronounce. Olatunde. Uh, O-L-A-T-U-N-D-E. Asun Sanami. Okay. O-S-U-N-S-A-N-M-I. Japanese director, I imagine, by okay. that name. Um, I, I'm assuming just based off of the... I took four years of Japanese I don't remember which, high school. which character this is. He is not a new character we've never seen before. Oh, sweet. So we're going to get a short track about a person we don't know. Yes, but who probably is cast in season two. So this I would assume could be, so. Uh, could be a nice introduction. But this has a very sci- hard science fiction edge to it of a person interacting with an AI. We could be getting like a... 2001 type deal I mean we've seen this before but sure I mean yes we've seen it before but and ironically the both the two times that comes to my mind is in Voyager yeah yes that's true uh yeah well three now that I think about it all three are in Voyager well of course uh but the thing to note here for uh writing themes and styles Michael Caban is the one the main writer of the, well, the head writer in the writer's room for the new Picard series. Right. And he is a an award-winning sci-fi writer. Okay. Very renowned. So I think this one, though it's not like, oh, this is what the Picard series is going to about, but it's going to give you an idea of or a feeling for what... His writing style is. Yes. All right. Airing Thursday, December 6th is The Brightest Star. And that's before he was the first Kelpin to join Starfleet, uh, Saru... Played by Doug Jones, lived in a simple life on his lived a simple life on his home planet of Kaminar with his father and sister. Young Saru, full of ingenuity and a level of curiosity uncommon among his people, yearns to find out what lies beyond his village, leading him on an unexpected path. This is the one I am least excited for. Really? Yes. I was thinking. I'm curious. That was one I'm most curious about, specifically because it's an origin story. Yeah, but I mean, okay, I, I, I maybe I just don't like the character design of the Kelpians. Um, maybe I mean there is a lot of issues with it. I just, I, I don't know. It's not the one that's like, oh my god! If this was like the lead off, I'd be like, I can wait till the next month. Uh, it just doesn't. I mean, it could be phenomenal. Uh, oh, excuse me. Written by Bo Yon Kim and Erica Lepolt. Directed by Douglas. Okay. I think you should just stop. Arnie Okoski. I'm trying to make it funny for people hearing me badly. Arnie Okoski. Arnie Okoski. A-A-R-N-I-O-K-O-S-K-I. Yeah. 
I'm going to say that. Arnikoski? Arnikoski. Arnie Arnikoski? Yeah, maybe. Arnikoski, yeah. Anyways. Whatever. Still, I think it'd be funny yeah. for me to say these things. Come on now. You got to yeah, just keep going. Just keep going. All cool. right. And finally, uh, The Escape Artist, airing Thursday, January 3rd. Harry Mudd, played by Rain Wilson, back to his old tricks of stealing and double dealing, finds himself in a precarious position aboard a hostile ship just in time to try out his latest con. Written by Michael McMahon from the Rick and Morty fame. Yep. Uh, directed by Rain Wilson himself. I think this could be the funniest one out of all of them. Uh, I don't want to say funniest, but it'll be the most fun. Okay, yeah, the most fun. Um, let's see what else here. I think there's supposed to be more that aren't announced yet. Well, I think this, it sounds as though they're going to make it an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, those are the first four that they have set for release. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh... I think one a month makes it fairly doable and unambitious. Yeah, so they're just, like, we're just going to ease people into it. I mean, I know the internet, and myself included, hates the, the title Short Treks. But, uh, I mean, it's it's quite direct. Mm. Tells you what it is. Yes. Um, but I like, because, you know, we still don't have an air date for uh, Discovery Season 2. It's just 2019. We don't have a... a... Which is bizarre. Because I mean, they've been, they're well into production. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you got to think for all the special effects that they spend money on on that thing, you got to have. But <sighs> they should be halfway through filming their season, so all the beginning episodes should be nearing or done with. They're more than halfway through filming the season because they fired the um, showrunners. Yeah, halfway through filming. Hmm. Well, I, we don't know how much they want to go back and change. Cause they there said, might be a lot of reshoots, yeah. Because they said the cost was so high, but they might have said, screw it, we're, we've already got like the first three episodes. I, funny enough, I thought they got fired after the when they were only two episodes into filming. Mm. They were halfway through production. Hmm. Okay, well, I didn't read up on it yeah. too much. Uh, <clears throat> Which was the strange part. Yes. But I think... The delay of the season release is tied to that, right? I think. I mean, right. it was always supposed to be 2019. I thought it was just. I thought it was a hard January 2019. But now, if they're doing a short trek in January, unless it's two weeks before the premiere and they just haven't announced it yet, I mean, we are only almost done with uh, September. Yeah. So I, the one 15 minutes once a month. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Would you... Do you feel that because we don't really watch anything else on CBS All Access, is that worth the subscription price to do it now for one 15-minute show per month? I don't know. I mean, that if I was, if I was a person looking to subscribe... I don't know if I would jump on board right then because, I mean, yeah, you can pirate it elsewhere... But if I wait, you know, say it does come out into January, Discovery Season 2, or the beginning of February. It's one hour of catch-up. Yeah, I can I can do that as I lead up to the release of the first episode of Season 2. Yeah. You know. Um, and considering these episodes are 15 minutes long, 
how much could you be missing? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Now, I have said that, you know, because they can I can get CBS All Access through my Amazon Prime account, that I'll probably do it that way, because before we... My TV is newer, but it's still old. Right. And I'd either have to buy a Fire Stick or whatever, or we'd, we'd have, we would do it through screen mirroring through Nicole's phone. Right. Which was just fucking annoying, and I don't want to have to go through that again. Right. For an hour-long sh- episode. Right. Uh, 15 minutes, though, if... <laughs> Somebody's still got an account, throw me the password, and I'll uh, fucking just watch the 15 minutes through on the phone or something like that. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't, it's, it's, I get that they're, they're hoping this will entice Trek fans who did what we did and canceled to get back into it. I don't think it's enough. No. Or, this is the flip side of it, it's like, hey Trek fans, we know you've been paying this whole time. Here's a little bonus. But to me, I mean, it reminds me of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay. Weird, weird, weird analogy here. But Yeah, I'm seeing where you're going with this stretch. Huh? You, you, you already know where I'm going? No, I'm, well, I want to see where you go. you know, uh, George Clooney comes back up and the guys are sitting around a fire and they're like, they're like, uh, gopher Everett? And he keeps offering him a gopher. And he's like, no, nah, Delmar, I... I think a third of a gopher would just do nothing but arouse my appetite and do nothing to bed it back down again. That's that's yeah. the, that's the analogy of that. This is just like arousing my appetite but not doing enough to satisfy it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. It's see see not too far of a stretch, and I got to do an old brother where out though quote. Life is good. Yes. If you don't like that movie, then fuck you. <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh my god! Here's the thing, because I know that would upset you more than me saying I didn't like it. So you have seen it, but didn't like it? No, no, I really haven't seen it. Oh. I just know that saying it that way would upset you more. I would be. I mean, I would accept that you didn't like it. I'd be confused. I'd be a little disappointed, but I'd be able to accept that you didn't like it. We are, we are grown people, not man babies. We yeah, can, that's true. We can accept when people don't like the stuff we like. We we can have dissenting opinions. I I know it's not normal now, but that's yes, true. That is yes, true. yes. It's and fun. here's the best part: is we're breaking into that section of Star Trek movies where our opinions are definitely going to be dissenting. Yeah, yeah. I, we might have, especially with Peter on there, we're going to have a lot of differing opinions. Yeah, I don't think so much about the next one, but I think going forward. The next one's First Contact, right? Yes. Then we're going to have some differing opinions. Well, well, okay, that's fine, because... Oobie doobie. Oobie doobie. Hey, hey, when you're drunk on tequila, you like some... You like you like good music? It took three shots of something called tequila before he even confirmed for me that he was the one we were looking for. <laughs> it just makes me wonder what drunk Marina Sirtis is like in real life. <laughs> If that's how she was at con, right? Sober, we think. Uh, I would assume, or you know, reasonably yeah. sober. Reasonably sober. Yeah, she could be. She could be one of those people that is equally hilarious and god annoying. Yeah, you know, like where if you know them real well at first, you're like, "Oh, this is really fun," but after thirty years, you're like, "Oh, Jesus, not this again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Short Treks, are you going to, uh, 
You're just going to wait and binge it later? I, I'm... And this is what I said, going back to what I said. At 15 minutes, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Especially, like, 15 minutes for, what is it, $11 a month for the no commercials? Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know if that price point works out. I mean, it's I mean, almost a dollar a minute. There are things I'm willing to pay a dollar a minute for. That's not it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That'll take you back. Well, that makes me think of RoboCop. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I, I just I just can't do it. Especially when, you, again, I go back to, if you just wait, you get completely caught up in an hour. Yeah. That's asinine. Yeah, I, I did not expect them to do it one a month. I thought they were going to have it, like, one a weekend. Yeah. And, you know, in October, it said, like, hey, we're just throwing this out here. Now you got to wait three more months until the show comes back. But I would be on board with that. They're like, oh, okay, fine, sure, whatever. Um, yeah, it just seems it seems odd to me. That's a good word for it. Okay, and a final bit of news. We didn't really talk about your Eagle Moss additions. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Dude, how could you forget about that giant thing? Alright, so... Well, I guess we'll save it for... It's collector's news or collector's updates at the end. I recently purchased my Quantum Mechanics uh, 6 scale Dr. McCoy to go along with my Kirk and Spock. That wasn't the giant thing I was referring to. I know, we're I'm going back to it. Okay. Because once we get on the Eagle Moss thing, I know we're going to go till we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about the McCoy, they managed to ship in a removable for each of his hands, the pinky ring. Nice. The pinky ring that he refused to take off, even though Roddenberry said there was no jewelry in space. And uh, DeForest Kelly said, this is my mother's ring. And I'm not taking it off. Right. And Roddenberry's like, okay. Yeah. So, that is uber cool. All right, so... Well, and here's the funny thing. Say what you want, but you can see in, the, you know, in that group in the 23rd century, right? You just see Bones being that old, holdover, stodgy, attached to the past asshole. Yeah. Well, especially when you go to the motion picture... And let alone the beard, which I thought was epic and I wanted him to keep. Just the 70s. The 70s chest chest hair, hair. but with the gold medallion hanging down. Like, it was straight disco, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is awesome. So I like like that touch that they brought to it for for the six-scale figure. Yes. All right, now let's get to Eagle Moss. You know, listeners, how much we love Eagle Moss and how much... It's been an enduring obsession, thanks to the general. My bad. Uh, But I recently purchased the uh, XCV-330 Enterprise Ring Ship, the SS Emmett, the Curry, and the Jaeger. Not the Jaeger that is the Sabre class. This is the Jaeger that's the Kitbash class. Kitbashing. Um, It doesn't really have a class designation because it's... Kitbashing. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about first? The ungodly scale of the ring ship? Let's start with that one. Because, I mean, it's a good representation. You can see the design aspect of it. But, oh my god, is it big. 
Yes, I was not prepared for the size of it. Now maybe I mean, it, here's it, the thing. For for concept, for those who are familiar with the Eagle Moss line, it is bigger than the Deep Space Nine model. Yes. It, it is on par. It, it's about the size of the jellyfish ship as well as the Borg Cube. Well, it's bigger than the jellyfish ship, but it's... Uh, I mean, based off of... Physical dimensions. Physical dimensions. But, yeah. But scale size. Scale size. It's just... I thought it was going to come like the NXL1 refit size, but that extra $5 it cost, it was not because it's new. It's because it's bigger. It's big. And I don't... Like, I had designs of how I was going to put it up there, and I'm just not going to be able to. I wish they would have released it at its regular size. Yeah. Um... So I'm I'm at a loss for how I'm gonna. Well, a I'm out of room. I gotta get some more shelves and redo yeah, some yeah. shit. Yeah. But I mean, good God Almighty, good God Almighty, it's it's huge. It looks great. I like the detail on it. Um, the booklet was great. It's just it's really big. Now I don't want that to deter people who might be interested in buying it. Yeah. It's one of those things. If you have space for it, go for it. If if you're we're running on limited space, hold off. Don't do it. Hold off. No, don't not hold off. Don't do it. If you don't have space for it, don't do it. Okay. Now, um, did you? Wh- which was the next one you want to? Take? Let's just go left to right. All right, the Emmet, which is actually not the warp delta ship, which you saw in the in the Zindi ones. Right. Uh, this is the one that was only shown in the opening credits. Next to that ungodly music, because been a long road. Because it actually is getting from there to here. Sorry. Wow, wow! You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I am constantly. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I love me. I'm awesome. It is before the test flight ship in its right. production because uh, it's a warp one only, but it still has rocket boosters in the back for regular. Impulse right. drive, but it has the same design as what would eventually become the Warp Delta ship, which is pre NXO one, post test because that yeah. is a Warp one only ship. Right, but uh, so it didn't stray too too far away. I liked the idea to see the design elements that you see in the in the Warp Delta and later the Intrepid. Yeah, um, but you know, it's I I still like it. I like the look of it. Yeah. I like that it's a little little different. Still, you can see that uh, that model ship that yeah. uh, Archer flew. It has similar elements to that with the eventual nacelles and yeah. all that stuff. Next up is one of my favorite kit bashes of all time. Next to the Centaur. Yeah. I love the Centaur is still my favorite. Centaur is such a cool like I see where they were going with that. Yeah. But the curry is it's a smash up of like the Miranda class, the Excelsior, and the Oberth class. Uh, believe it or not, the secondary hull is an Excelsior class hull. It's just moved forward. Huh. With the uh, the shuttle bays have been moved to the front as as opposed to the rear. Right. Uh, the saucer section is onto the Miranda class struts and nacelles. They're just moved back. Right, but it is it's, so the weird looking. It is weird looking, but from like a profile, like you know what it kind of looks like. It could, looks like a trimaran. 
Looks like a you know a trimaran boat. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Seriously, that's what it looks like. Keep talking. I'm, I'm I mean, gonna... from from here, you almost like, and I'm you know I'm probably about a good eight, eight feet away from the model. It it really looks like a boat. It actually almost looks more elegant looking at it from the side than looking at it from the top. You know, looking it... at it from the top is really kind of hideous. You know what it also reminded me of? What Howard Hughes's Spruce Goose. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it has. Yeah. It has that just obnoxiously large center mass. Yeah, that just strange element to it. I am bringing it over so Mills can see it closer up. And the next one we're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's... The, I You know what's funny, though, is the curry. I would love to have seen that... The, the Miranda-class design evolution. Really, if you drop off the secondary hall pontoon set. That's a really good looking Miranda class. Yeah, it could, you could see it as the evolution or what, you know, yeah. because the Mir- I always say the Miranda class evolved into the Nebula class, but yeah. we don't know that for certain, yeah. but we could say their design elements are similar. Yeah, I mean, I've got no beef with the curry other than like some weird design, like putting the saucer section and then just having this big gap between it and the rest of the secondary hall, you're just like, that's a little unnecessary, but it totally looks like a boat. Yeah, it looks I, like a trimaran. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I love kit bashing. It, it warms my heart to know that they were like, dude, we don't have much time. Let's just come up with something. Yeah, I really like the curry, but the Jaeger. Let's move on to the Jaeger. The Jaeger, which is a McKee Raider mixed with the Intrepid class. Yeah, like literally, like they took the Maquis Raider back half body, including the kind of the wings, if you will. Yeah. And then stuck the Intrepid class and the cells on it. And, and then the Intrepid saucer section got lumped on top. Saucer might be the wrong word, but kind of the forward section, if you will. Yeah. And, and then, then the uh, if you spin it to the side, they added these weird tail fins that were not on the McKee Raider. These weird tail fins that just... <sighs> this is one of those ships you go, why? All right, but spin it around and... Look at it eye level at the front. To the front. And just look down eye level. And what does that kind of remind you of? You can take it off and lift well, it up if you need take to. Take it out of the stand. And then just look at it eye level from the front. Oh, weird. It looks like a warbird. Yeah. Or a bird of prey, more specifically. Or an early D7. Well, the D7... More, yeah, I see that without... If you took off the poorly attached saucer... Yeah, no, but what I mean, is, yeah, it has as it has a lot of the same looks to oh, it. D seven. Yeah, uh, and that one was primarily seen the most in Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War because it was it was purposefully stationed around Deep Space Nine. So that's what you saw it a lot in the last season or two, always on patrol around Deep Space Nine. The Curry was a part of the second fleet, so you saw it around that time. But at one point, it got damaged beyond repair. This is fascinating. Like, looking at it more close, it's very fascinating design. I know, right? And I really think they, they fucked up. Had they flipped it over, it's a way cooler looking ship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Way better design. Which also, wish that we got a little bit more of it, and that it had the Galaxy Class ability... To launch the saucer off, and the body became more of an attack profile raider ship. You know, Which like, would actually make sense with this design. Yeah, but I mean, just horrendous looking. 
Just horrendous looking. No, in design, not in quality from Eagle Moss. Yes, this is not a statement of Eagle Moss. This goes back to the original design of the the model in which Eagle Moss is representing. Yeah. I would say quality of construction and painting and everything is is as we've come to expect from Eagle Moss. Yes, they've had... They've well had put t- together, very, you know, good die-cast pieces. It, and it also doesn't have that, uh, what the, what Voyager had, where you could clearly see all the lines where it was put together. This it doesn't one, have the same seam problem that yeah. the Voyager does. I mean, you I can mean, still see... It definitely has some, but you could write it off more to the way the ship was designed. Yeah. But and I, an assembly... But as, as far as it goes, Eagle Moss is still producing great quality stuff. I keep refusing to buy Discovery stuff, but I think that's the only way you're going to get the Discovery Enterprise. Oh, yeah. For at least another year. I think it's going to be a subscription-only bonus. Eh, I'm alright with that. Um, but uh, I have not listened to it, but TrekMovie.com has their own podcast called The Shuttle Pod. Shuttle crew, something Sh- like that. Shuttle pod, I think. Is what Shuttle pod, and they have an ep- they have a, a a recent episode with one of the gentlemen who designs ships for Star Trek Online, and they do talk about the Kelvin universe and Discovery and how they fit within the design wise. So I'm looking forward to hearing that because I have very conflicting opinions, and I'd like to hear somebody who's on the inside talk about things like that, but. So as it stands, Eagle Moss, uh, the Curry, the Jaeger, the Emmett, and the Ring Ship. And if anybody from Eagle Moss is listening, we're not above selling out. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And I have some serious questions for you. Yeah, seriously. Um, but very good quality. Happy additions to my collection. Uh, the Ring <gasps> Ship is the only down part of it is, is the size. I wish it was a little smaller. Um, I really do like the curry. I think yes. this is cool. Yes, it is. I really, really enjoy the curry. I mean, I could. I'm glad it. they got it back in stock. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally just audio podcast missed me like playing it and flying yeah, it around. Jeremy like was uh, rubber ducking it in the back. Yay! Yay! Rubber ducky. Okay, there's some illogical design elements here. Not going to go there. Okay, so. Um, Good stuff. Glad the collection is growing. Happy with Quantum Mechanics. Wish they would bring out some more characters with the Monster Maroon. Yep. Or Next Gen. Or, I don't know, how about a Cisco? Or Let's get know. a doing. Give I, me a doing. I, I, I Give me a bald Ben, not a haired Ben. I want a bald goateed Ben. Yeah. With the uh, with the other uniforms. Yep. Uh, I want a Jimmy Doing, but I want a Jimmy Doing from Star Trek V slash Relic, Relics. Where he's got the uh, the vest, the vest. You know, I want a chubby doing. Right. I want a chubby doing. I don't want a, a skin full hair doing, uh, black hair doing. I want chubby. So here's gray. the question: When they put one out, and I think this might be a good reason why they haven't. Yeah. Do they chop off part of one of the fingers? I mean, if you're going for accuracy, you've got to. Yes, because it has been shown on in, TV, on TV, and in the movies that he was missing a digit. Yep. He wasn't missing the whole digit, just part of the digit. Yeah. It was just right off, right below the knuckle. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that might be inappropriate, but I don't care. I, I really... I, I just It's just a moment of morbid curiosity. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, we thank you for stopping by and all that normal that's stuff. That's my line. Okay. Uh, so that's been Talking Trek Wars. Thanks for stopping by. For yeah, whatever. Fuck. Let's just screw that up. <laughs> all right. Next episode should be the... Uh, har? Actually, uh, could be the Har. Could be something else that was supposed to happen today. We'll see about recording schedules. Yay! Yay! Later.